I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Role Models, the podcast that provides a platform for real people to share their untold stories. In this series, we hear stories about finding guidance in the most unlikely of places. If you enjoyed these episodes, share them with the people in your life. Let's get into today's episode. I was in Singapore for the, for the decision-making. The energy was just palpable and everybody was just on edge. When Sarah Sutcliffe was eight years old, she developed a kind of unusual habit. We had this quite prefab classroom, a lot of windows on one side, blackboard at one end. Her desk was at the back end of the room. I remember we had a couple of beanbags in the corner of the classroom. Instead of going home at the end of the day, Sarah would stay at school. I spent time just hanging around in the classroom with Mrs Cass. Mrs Cass, Sarah's beloved form teacher. She was quite a a rotund lady, a larger lady. She had short, dark hair. She was wearing a quite dark skirt and a light top. I just don't ever remember a crossword coming from her. I think she had a, a very comforting way, a way of making me feel at ease, uh, a very homely figure. But I remember her being a good teacher. I remember feeling captivated by her classes. After all the other kids had gone home, Sarah would do little chores for Mrs Cass. I can remember tidying away the reading books. I can remember cleaning the blackboard again. I remember straightening the chairs. It wasn't that Sarah was missing something. She had a loving, supportive relationship with her parents. She just liked the way that Mrs. Cass made her feel. She made me feel valued. She just seemed to constantly find little things for me to do that made me feel valuable to her and that I was helping her. She brought out something good in me. Uh, She made me want to learn. She made me want to be in her class. She made me want to listen to her, but in a way that I think was a a softly, softly way, uh, an encouraging way. Sarah started her professional career as a lawyer, working for an international law firm in London. When she was a junior associate, around 29 years old, she was put on a complicated case. And it was litigation, so you're naturally in a battlefield zone. And the opponent's solicitors were Scadden Arps, hugely uh, successful law firm, pretty renowned for being Rottweilers. You know, they're big American litigators. They don't pull any punches. It was a major arbitration. Hundreds of millions of dollars were at stake. I made a mistake. I made a pretty bad mistake. I accidentally attached a document that was an internal document to the back of a fax, the days of where you sort of you know, bundled papers together and put them through a fax machine. This internal memo revealed that the case wasn't going so well for Sarah's firm, and she sent it directly to the opposing lawyers. I realised my error quite quickly on, but by then, of course, the fax is gone. This, this document that was going to be hugely helpful to the other side was in their possession. And not only was I professionally and personally absolutely mortified uh, and probably frozen to the spot temporarily, I had a, the clarity of vision to think, I can't solve this on my own. And in that heart-stopping moment, Sarah knew she had to go straight to her boss and confess. I went to the partner's office, I knocked on his door and I said, um, I need to tell you something really urgently. And I talked him through it. I saw his face and his face just stayed really calm. He didn't lose it. He 
He didn't get cross. And the first thing he said to me, he said, was thank you for coming and telling me. Because now that we know there's an issue, we can solve it. You know, we, can, we, can, we can limit the damage. The worst thing you could have done was try to hide this and try and fix it yourself, even hiding it by an hour. So he gave me permission to have made a mistake. The partner told the client straight away. Sarah went back to her desk and waited nervously for the client's call. And he said to me, he said, uh, you know, it's like, hey, Sarah, how are you doing? It's like, hi. He goes, uh, anything you need to tell me? And I went, uh, yeah, there is. And I told him my side of, you know, what had happened. And again, he said the same message. He said, thank you for owning up and thank you for not trying to hide this. We all make mistakes. Decades later, that day sticks in Sarah's mind for two reasons. A, for having made a huge professional mistake, but B, that two people who could have dealt with it entirely differently gave me the comfort and the support that the gut reaction I'd had to go and own up was absolutely the right thing to do. Sarah took the lesson forward into everything she did. The first thing I say to people to work, work with me is we all make mistakes. You have absolute permission to make mistakes. What you don't have permission to do is to try and cover them up. Please just be honest. Fast forward a few years and Sarah had the formidable job as Director of Legal and HR for the British Olympic Association. She went to the Athens, Torino and Beijing Olympics with Team GB. Sarah was also involved in the bid to bring the Games to London in the run-up to 2012. It was at that time that she crossed paths with two more important role models. She had a beautiful smile and she just, she animated energy about her and a, and a real warmth about her. The first was Tessa Jowell, the late politician who was best known as the Minister for the Olympics. I've seen her operate in meetings and I've sat next to her. Her tenacity, her down-to-earth way of interacting with people uh, was phenomenal. When the London bid was underway, Sarah went to the Athens Olympics in 2004. She was tasked with meeting VIPs and showing them around. Tessa Jowell was one of them. I met her at the airport and I remember she just said to me straight away, she, she was, there were no airs and graces about her, very down to earth. There's the Secretary of State being picked up by a 31-year-old in a Team GB t-shirt and bundled into a car and dropped off somewhere. But she treated me like an equal. She would have a conversation with you that you felt she was really interested in what you had to say. And I can contrast that with some other VIPs who would just talk at you like you, know, you were their agenda organiser. Sarah went along with Tessa to a swimming event during the Athens Games. And I just remember her, her looking at me and just saying, yeah, we're going to do this. We are going to pull this off. We are going to bring the Olympic Games to London. And I believed it anyway, because I was working on it. But if ever I'd had any doubt, I would have believed it then. She was absolutely tenacious. She absolutely made sure that bid got off the ground. And of course, London would go on to win that historic Olympic bid. Sarah remembers where she was when the announcement was made. I was in Singapore for the, for the decision-making. The energy was just palpable and everybody was just on edge. There just seemed to be this really powerful momentum that was going on. And it came down to a, a Paris-London runoff um, in the end. And uh, the late Jacques Rogg, who was the president of the IFC at the time, stood up and is, in a very deliberate voice talked about uh, and the, the, the host of the 30th Olympiad 
is the city of, and this this dramatic pause, and then suddenly he said, you know, the city of London, and just my knees buckled, and I've never felt such a wave of raw emotion. I can feel goosebumps coming back through my body, and then of course that was followed by just the euphoria that kicks in, and just everybody just running around the room and everybody hugging each other. It didn't matter who you were, as long as you were you were in the London 2012 bid team uniform, it didn't matter who you were. You got the biggest bear hug from everybody. Sarah says the London bid was such a powerful project to work on because everyone's energy was focused in the same direction. And that's because people like Tessa were at the heart of it. And I think it's like the, the, the captain on a sports team who really galvanises people, not necessarily because they're the best player, but because they have the ability to just get the best out of people by bringing together as a collective group. The second person who left a positive impression on Sarah was Seb Cole, who was chairman of the London Organising Committee for the Olympic Games. Years after the bid was successful, Sarah was attending an event put on by the British Olympic Association. She was milling around, chatting to some colleagues when Seb walked into the room. And he was chatting away to somebody else and he suddenly glanced over and he saw me. And he just broke out into a big smile. He waved and about a minute later, he'd extricated himself from the conversation he was in. He'd come over and he said, hi, Sarah, how are you? What are you up to at the moment? How are you doing? And I felt a million dollars. He just had that magnetic personality to be able to do that. I just remember how it made me feel that somebody of that importance, that caliber, that um, profile would make me feel as important as he did, just by taking the time to say hello and recognize who I was. For me, the standout role models is their ability to know who you are and to recognize you and to know that you have a place in the team and that you are adding value. And to just take that time to look you in the eye, to say hello, to know your name, to make you feel like you belong. Mrs. Cass, the partner at our old firm, Tessa Jowell, Seb Cole, they all weave their influence into Sarah's life leaving gems of wisdom that shaped the leader she would become. As the current CEO of the Royal Yachting Association, she believes that having the strength of your conviction is crucial. Being really sure about what you believe in and making sure that other people know what you believe in. And, and just being prepared to, to bring that to life and to, to be energized by it and to, to give that energy to other people. Several years back, Sarah was contacted by a former colleague called Alex. They briefly worked together at the British Olympic Association. This is a girl who, who was an incredibly talented lawyer, uh, amazing background. She'd also represented England uh, in swimming, you know, so an elite athlete herself. They went out to lunch together. Alex said she'd always looked up to Sarah and wanted her advice about whether to pursue a new role. She said, um, there's a position coming up as a non-executive director at British Swimming. And, you know, I'd, I'd really like to do it, but I'm, I'm not sure I've got what they'd be looking for and I'm not sure I'm good enough. And, and she had all that sort of imposter syndrome going on that she didn't have what it took to do it. 
And I just looked at her and said, you are absolutely the right sort of person to do this. You don't know how much you will bring to that table just by being there and the sort of person you are, your ability to think clearly, speak clearly, speak your mind. I wasn't surprised at all when she, when she gave me a call to tell me she'd got it. And uh, I'm just delighted that I gave her the push to go for it. When we think back on our lives, it's often tempting to place ourselves at the centre of events. Sarah's reflections are refreshingly unique in the way that she has a clear memory of the people who have influenced her and also of the people that she herself has influenced. There's a humility with which Sarah recounts not just her successes, but also her mistakes. What she's learned from both is not limited just to her own conduct, but extends to the conduct of the people around her, whether as part of a class, part of a law firm, or part of the British Olympic Association. Sarah's success has come as a result of her positive interactions with other people. From listening to Sarah's story, it's clear that recognising good role models is the best way to become a good role model yourself. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com. If you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week.